Thank you. I'm just going to pray for us. Jesus, thank you for this amazing morning, this opportunity to gather together as family, as church. And I just pray now that you, um, you'll speak to us. And I just pray you give us ears to hear what you're having to say, hearts that are open, Lord. Um, and I just pray, God, against anything that might cloud that, any fear, apathy. Lord, I just pray where there's stuff in our hearts that shouldn't be, I just pray you get rid of it and just open us up to everything you're wanting to do with us this morning, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amazing. Good to see you all this morning. If I haven't met you before, well, I'm uh, Vicar here. Um, as of, what, was th- is it three weeks? It's getting on for that. It's exciting. It's starting to feel normal. It's good. Um, if you weren't here two weeks ago um, when I sp- uh, spoke last, um, do go back and listen. It's online. Um, it's kind of a bit of a kind of continuum. So it's not that this won't make sense without that, but um, it will fill in some blanks. But basically, what I was trying to say, at least, um, this would be a test of whether it was conveyed. Um, what I was trying to say, essentially, is this, is that every single one of us is, is less than the fullness of who we're created to be in Jesus. Every single one of us is a, a bit of a mess, ultimately. And, and we all need to change. We all need to be renewed if we're to be a presence of renewal in the world. We're not going to be a blessing in the world because we try really hard, come up with some clever plans, and give them a good bash. Um, we're going to be a blessing in the world because Jesus is changing us to be a blessing. Um, and we're only going to be changed by Jesus if we let him and if we seek him for that. And so I, I don't know what you're like, your personality, but if you're anything like me, um, I would have probably heard that and been like, this is really exciting, great, I want to change, I want to get out there. How do I do that? Like, you know, great, I, I really want Jesus to change me, and, I, you know, I, I really want to seek him for that, but how? Like, you know, how does that work? And so that's what I want to do today. I want to look at the question of how does Jesus change us? And for that, we're going to look at John 15, um, because I think uh, Jesus wants to teach us some things this morning that I think uh, I, I, I'm going to use the word, and I am prone to exaggeration, but this morning I'm not, um, fundamental um, that I really think I've got to be a foundation that if we can't build upon this, honestly, we're, we're, we're kind of wasting our time. And I want to put it as starkly as that. Um, because the danger of church is that we can get caught in all the trappings of church, all the doings of church, you know, the gatherings, the way we do things, the way we lay the chairs out. And it's like, and we miss, we miss the foundation of what it's all really about. And if we miss the foundation of all what it's really about, we're basically just putting on a show. And who wants that, Yeah. So, if you're not there already, um, I think it's going to be on the screen behind me, but we're in uh, John, John's biography of Jesus' life, um, and we're um, in chapter 15. Um, if you've got a Bible, do grab one, um, but it's there, that's good, it's encouraging. Um, so, Jesus is speaking, and he's teaching, and he's using this metaphor, and, and it's a metaphor of a vine. And when we think vine, think kind of like grapevine. And if you can't think that, um, just think tree trunk, right? And so if you've got a tree or a vine, you've got this like big kind of um, pipe, as it were. And, and, and that carries the life. It's the life-carrying part of the, of the plant. And it carries the life to the branches, The branches don't have life in and of themselves. They only have life because they're kind of fed by the life that comes through the vine, comes through the trunk. 
And uh, in this metaphor, Jesus is saying, I'm the vine and we are the branches. And so he says, and I love this, he says, I am the true vine. It's like all the plants out there, all, all the kind of vines out there, they're not really it. All they really exist for is almost as a metaphor for who I am. Jesus says, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So we've got this, this picture of a vine, branches. How do the branches grow? How do the branches bear fruit? Well, only if they're connected to the vine. How do we bear fruit? Only if we're connected, only if we remain in Jesus. Like, we know that, that makes sense, right? If you break a branch off a tree and walk around with it, you don't expect it to suddenly, like, burst into bloom and produce apples. You expect it to die. And the same is true of us. It's like, if you break us apart from Jesus, whatever that means, we'll get to that, we don't suddenly produce more fruit. We don't grow. We slowly become less of who we are. We become less of who we're created to be. We become less loving, less patient, less generous, less bold, less confident in who God has made us to be, rather than more fruitful, more loving, more patient, more kind, more generous. Jesus goes on. He says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And now, Jesus starts repeating himself endlessly. Okay? And one thing to get is that like, if, if Jesus says something once, it matters. Yeah? That, that's a given. So if he says it once, it matters. If he says it two times, it's like, oh, this is reasonably serious. Maybe we should kind of listen to this. If he says it three times or more, it's like, guys, miss this and game over. You know, like... This is like lean-in moment. And so Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So this is dual paradigm. We've got remaining in Jesus. What comes from remaining in Jesus? A fruitful life where we grow, we become more of who we're made to be. Contrastingly, we've got the, the life that's kind of apart from Jesus. And what happens? Well, Jesus says, well, you're not going to bear fruit. You're not going to grow. You're just going to kind of stay where you are. But he only gets worse. He says this. You know, sometimes I read Jesus, and I, I'm really encouraged and really blessed. And there's other times I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't know if you find this. I've got to, like, repent. This is, like, heavy. And... I'm afraid to say it's a heavy one. Um, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Verse 5. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Encouraging. We like this. We want to bear fruit. Who doesn't want to bear fruit, right? Anyone not want to grow? We kind of just, no, no. I, I, I really enjoy being thoroughly miserable. Like that, that for me is just kind of where I sit. That's my, my lane. I've kind of made a thing of it. Um, I quite enjoy it. Like, no one wants to stay there. We want to become more of who we're created to be by God. Not less. So Jesus says, in, uh, uh, if you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. And then he says this. He says, um, apart from me, you can do what? A bit? 
a bit, a bit if you put your mind to it, like if you're particularly intelligent, you know, some things, if you've been really successful at work and you've got, you know, lots of qualifications, you can do some stuff, if you've got a clever thought-through plan. No, no, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. Um, really? You sure? Like, did you mean nothing? Like, does the Greek actually a bit more, you know, is it it's a bit more, no, no. Nothing. Apart from me, you could do nothing. He goes one further. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Um, if you remain in me, you can do nothing. If, if, you, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Great, well, that's cheery. Um, what, what's he saying? You know, it, it's that actually, if we're not remaining in Jesus, and we'll get to that, if we're not remaining in Jesus, we don't just stay where we are. It's not that we don't just increase in fruitfulness. It's not that we don't grow. It's that we actually decline. We actually become less of ourselves. We become less fully human. We become less loving. We become less generous, we become less kind, we become less patient, we become less of the person we're created to be. But that's what's at stake. You know, I've got this, um, I've got this apple tree in my garden, and um, a couple of, uh, it was about three weeks ago, we had Storm Dennis. Yes. Now, is there ever a more slightly, I don't know, I'm sorry if your name's Dennis, but unferocious sounding name for a storm. It just sounds naff. Storm Dennis gives you the impression it's going to come along and be like, hello, lovely to meet you. And it, Storm Dennis came along and said, hi. And my apple tree like, got knocked clean over, like completely like, broken off at the trunk. No more apples for me. Very sad. Um, but what struck me as I was kind of looking at this passage and reading this is this, this is a branch, right? You know, I mean, it's at the trunk, so it's as much as you can, um, that's been broken apart from the vine, as it were, cut off from the life source. Now, admittedly, the tree is lying on the ground, so let's ignore that. But if you were to stand it up, I look at that tree and I'm like, it doesn't actually look any different to how it looked a few weeks ago. And I don't know if you've ever like, noticed a tree that's fallen down in the park or something, particularly when it's lost its leaves already. Like, give it a month. Doesn't it doesn't look particularly different? It kind of looks the same. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it doesn't grow. We know it's not growing. Not, you know, apples don't, aren't going to suddenly spout up on my tree, but it looks much the same. And probably if I give it loads of months, it will look much the same. And it will be a really slow process of decay and decline. And probably if you looked at it each day, day to day, you wouldn't spot that it's even dying. And herein, I think, lies the danger for us. Because we can be my, my apple tree. We can we cannot be remaining in Jesus, but we don't even realize because the process of becoming less human, less ourselves, less loving, is so slow and gradual that day to day you don't see it for what it is. And so you miss it. And you might, if you were able to kind of like wind 50 years into the future and compare it to where you are today, or wind 50 years back into the past, notice it, 
But we're not Doctor Who. We can't do that. And so we don't see it for what it is. And so we miss it. And so we stay in this place where we're, we're not growing, we're not becoming more fruitful, we're declining, but we don't even realize. That's the paradigm. Remain in Jesus, life fruitfulness. Don't remain in Jesus, decay, decline. So the big question that I think would probably be a good one to answer, right, is what on earth does it mean and look like to remain in Jesus, yeah? That feels pretty crucial, and I don't know, when I first read a passage like this, my, my instinct goes, I, you know, I sort of assume remaining Jesus, well, that just means like being a Christian, right? Keeping on believing that Jesus saves. Like, as long as I'm in that place, I'm good. And that would be lovely, except that's not what it's actually saying. The way we can translate the word remain, we can translate it in a number of ways. If you've got a slightly older or different translation of the Bible, it might use two words that I think help us get what's going on here a bit more. And they are dwell or abide. So Jesus is saying, remain in me as I remain in you. He could also say, dwell in me as I dwell in you. Abide in me as I abide in you. And what does it mean to abide? What does it mean to dwell? Okay, so I live there, right? So if I was to say to you, I abide in Bath because I visited once or because I believe it exists, you'd be like, yeah, I think you've missed something, Will. Because we know that, like, I abide in Bristol. I dwell in Bristol. That's quite obvious. Like, to abide somewhere, to dwell somewhere, you, you know, has a sense of being present somewhere. But Jesus here is talking about himself. He's talking about relationship. He's not talking about location. And so what's he saying? Well, it's like, you know, if I said to you, um, Katie and I are going to abide together tonight, you probably think I was very strange and you have some questions to ask. But like, if I said that, once you got over the weirdness, if you came around to my house and you found me sat in the lounge and Katie in the office, you'd be like, what? What's going on? Like, this doesn't look like abiding. This isn't like dwelling. This is just like being in the same building. Or even if we were both in the same room, but I was like, just on the computer doing my thing, and like, even if Katie was trying to speak to me, like, that's not really like dwelling with one another, abiding in one another, is it? Because I'm not present to her, even if I'm present with her. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about relational presence. What it means to abide in Jesus is to literally be present to him and present with him as he is present to us and present with us all throughout the day. And we know what the difference looks like. Because if any of you have got like a teenage son or had a teenage son and they're playing Xbox, you know, you know what happens. They're there playing away. You walk in. Oh, can I just have a chat with you? And you ask, yeah, 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 in a minute. Yeah, 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 one sec, yeah you know that even though you're kind of present with them, you're present to them, they're not present to you because they're present to that. To be present to Jesus is to not look like we're playing Xbox, but it's to genuinely be aware of his presence with us. You know, God is a God who is 
Not distant, not far off, but close. You know, the word um, named Jesus, like Jesus is often called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. That hasn't changed. God is still with us, and we need to grow in our awareness of his presence with us. We need to become increasingly present to him at work, at school, at uni, at home, when we're doing the dishes, whatever it is. We need to become increasingly present to Jesus and present with him as he is present to us. But I think, I don't know, maybe I just speak for myself, but I think the reality of many of our lives is that... um, it's a, it looks a bit more like we sort of pop in. Do you know what I mean? Like we pop into his presence. You know, we check in once a week, maybe once a day if we're lucky. Like, but, but it's kind of like occasional visiting. You know, it's almost like we're a branch that's like grafted onto the vine and then off, and then on, and then off. And like, I don't know much about gardening, but my guess is if you're grafting a vine on, uh, off, and on, and off, at best, the growth is going to be severely inhibited. At worst, it's probably going to stay alive, but it's not going to be growing. It's not becoming fruitful. And I think that's where, in 21st century Britain, I think we find ourselves. We pop in, we pop out, we in, we're out. And so what happens? We stay the way we are. We don't grow. We don't become more fruitful. We kind of just stay in this status quo, in this relationship with Jesus of where we are. Because I think there's two words that I would argue, in my humble opinion, um, characterize the world we live in. If you want to describe the world we live in at the moment, I think two words, above all others, they're this. Busyness. Distraction. Busyness and distraction. You know what? Like, I can't remember the last time I was bored. I think it was the 90s. You know, <laughs> if I wanted to, I could sit down this afternoon bung Netflix on and watch things, and it, it wouldn't even ask me. It just plays the next episode. Like I could watch things continuously for the entire year and still not have consumed all the content that's on there. You know, if I've got two minutes to myself, how easy does this become the paradigm? And we're just flicking through our phone and checking our emails. Like Our lives are lived in this ever-increasing pattern of distraction where things are grabbing us and pulling us in all these directions, saying, look at me, look at this, look at that. And ever and more increasingly, our lives are lived in this busyness. You know, we're rushing around, taking the kids here, taking the kids there. We've got all this stuff to do at work. All these competing demands are put on our life now in this country. You know, it just seems that, like, busyness is the mode of the day, and we can take work home with us now. So we get home, and the phone calls and the emails still come in. Busyness, 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 busyness. And it doesn't even seem to be life stage dependent. Like, you know, I, I, I look at my friends who don't have kids, and I look at my friends who do have kids, and then when the kids leave home, and then when people retire, they don't seem to be any less busy, they just seem to be differently busy. You know, my parents have recently retired, and they don't seem to be doing much less. And I don't say that as a critique, it's just the world is just constantly sucking us into busyness, sucking us into frenetic activity. And the problem with all of that is this. If we're constantly busy, If we're constantly distracted, then we're constantly preoccupied. And if we're constantly preoccupied, we're like the kid playing Xbox. Jesus might be present to us, he might be with us, but we're not fully present to him. Because our minds are on so many other things. 
And so what's the solution? What's the solution? And this, this is, the solution, I, I think, is, is a lesson that we need to learn as a whole church and as individuals, but it's going to be a hard one. Because of the culture we live in and because I think the church that we are, like, my observation is that we're a church of, like, doers, of people who want to get stuck in and contribute and make a difference and do stuff. And that's great, right? But the problem is our greatest strength is always our greatest weakness. It's our greatest strength because it means we're not going to sit by like lazy people and do nothing. It's our greatest weakness because it will always have the temptation of pulling us into frenetic busyness and activity. And we might even be doing things for God, but we won't be doing it with God. That's the danger. And so what's the solution? The solution is this. We need to learn as individuals and as a church to slow down. It's kind of as simple as that. We need to learn to slow down and carve out, and it will be carve out rather than like, it won't find us, carve out more space in our lives for Jesus, for us to be present to him as he is present to us. And what's interesting is when you do carve that space out, even if that's just like five minutes, you find that you're more aware of his presence throughout the rest of the day. This isn't that we need to spend the entire day in like intercessory prayer and not do any work, but it's we need to carve out, we need to, we need to stop some stuff in our lives. We need to say no to some things. Because if we're always saying yes to everything and always doing everything because we can, we're never going to be making that time for Jesus. And if we're not creating that space, we're not carving out that space to be with him, then we're not going to be abiding in him. We're not going to be remaining in him. If we're not remaining in him, then we're not going to be growing in him. We're not going to be becoming more fruitful. We're not going to be becoming more of the people we're made to be, which means we're not going to be becoming more of the renewing presence that he's calling us to be as his church in the world. We're just going to be like the world, ever increasingly in this kind of busy, frenetic activity. So we need to learn to slow down. How do we do that? I think it starts as simply as this. Find five minutes. Please, 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 do not start by trying to carve out an hour in your day. It won't happen. Like, you try, you'll do it maybe once, day two, it won't happen, and then you'll feel depressed and like you've failed, and God hates you, and you'll give up, and you'll be back to where you are. Start with five minutes. Every single one of us can find five minutes in the day. Hey, like we can even find five minutes in the day if that involves going to the loo at work. Like, you know, I don't mean to sound sacrilegious, but like genuinely, like if that's the only place you can go to be alone and be distraction free and not have people clamoring for you, go there. Do whatever it takes. Carve out a space where you can be by yourself for five minutes and just be present to Jesus. And you might think, well, what do I, what do, I do in that time? That's the beauty of it. You don't need to do anything. Don't come with a list of stuff that you want to tell him. Because if, you know, if I'm spending five minutes with Katie and I just spend five minutes monologuing at her, it's, it's, I'm, you know, I'm not fully present to her because I'm not attending to what she's saying. And so all you need to do in that time is just 
find somewhere comfortable, distraction-free, please chuck the phone somewhere else. It's five minutes. Like, maybe put a timer on so you're not even thinking about, oh, is the five minutes up? Like, I'm a bit worried because I've got things to go to. Put a timer on for five minutes. Sit there and just say, Jesus, I just want to meet with you right now. I just want to be with you. And maybe if it's helpful, begin by reading a psalm to just focus your mind in on him. Maybe just, um, if you find a million thoughts coming to mind, just say the, the name Jesus slowly and repeatedly over and over again, but five minutes with Jesus. Start there. And then maybe down the line, find another five minutes. And, and, and do that for at least three months before you decide it's not working. Five minutes. We need to slow down, guys, and we need to make space for him. But when we do that, I know, because he says, that we will, we will grow. We will be transformed. We will bear fruit. We will be more of the people and the community that he's made us to be, and we will make more of an impact in the world, not because we're good, not because we're clever, but because Jesus is working in us and through us. I want to stop there. Um, but what I want to do now, um, because there's a real danger, isn't there, that it's like, great, on with the busyness of the service. Like, who's next? You know, and what I want to do is I just want to give, ironically, five minutes for us to just do that now. Is that all right? Um, and I'm going to time it. So if you're thinking, gosh, is it up yet? Should we be doing something else? You don't need to worry. I'm on it. Um, so we're just going to have five minutes. And I, I, I encourage you to close your eyes. Closing eyes is not spiritual, okay? The reason we do it is because it stops you being distracted by the person in front who's got a new hairdo. That's genuinely, it, it, that is genuinely why we do it. It's to just remove us from distraction and to just enable us to focus on Jesus. So just close your eyes, slow down. You might find, if you've never done this before, if you're someone who's busy, 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 that when you stop for five minutes internally, you'll still be going on. And if that's going on, and there's like a million thoughts plaguing your mind, you're thinking about the dinner, and I've got to take the kids to this later, just have grace with yourself, because Jesus does, and don't worry about it. It doesn't mean he's not present with you. At the end of the five minutes, thank him for the time he spent with you, even if you're not really aware of it, um, and, and go again tomorrow. Um, and you might also find, because um, this is often a thing, that when you slow down and stop for five minutes, um, Sometimes what happens is you start feeling quite anxious. Um, and, and the reason for that is because you were already feeling anxious, but the busyness of your life was basically just drowning it out. Um, and so when you stop for five minutes, you suddenly realize that you're anxious. You think, oh, gosh, this isn't nice. Obviously, this isn't working. No, no. What's happening is what's already there is coming to the surface. So if that's the case, don't worry about it. Again, just lift it to Jesus. Say, I'm feeling a bit anxious. Can you come, come just bring your peace? But anyway, I'm going to shut up because otherwise I'm going to talk for the five minutes and that's no good. If you want to get yourself comfortable, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to take five minutes. Jesus, we, I'm going to use the word desperately, need you. We desperately need you. We desperately want to meet with you. We desperately want to know you more. Not as a God who's distant, but as a God who's with us. And I just pray you help us tune in to your presence. Lord, we just want to meet with you now. So I pray you come and meet with us. Let's just have five minutes of just being with him.